Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, hello. Hello once again. Welcome to another edition, season six, episode five of the Ragin' Review podcast. I'm Jerry, and that's, is that Josh? Josh, what's up, stranger? How you been, buddy? Jerry, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Always a pleasure. The pleasure is ours, man. Uh, Josh is uh, pinch hitting for our friend Nick. Nick's going to be on the IR list for, I don't know, a few more days. Uh, Wish Nick a fast and speedy recovery. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. So Josh definitely has to help out a little bit. I was going to actually do the episode solo, but with some current events that has been boiling over over the last I don't know, 12 hours or so. What better guest to have than the famous man about town to discuss some of these things. But we do have a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get it started. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cajuns win in Birmingham the other night or last Saturday against the UAB Blazers by the score of 41-21. We're going to preview the Cajuns' upcoming game against Buffalo this Saturday at Cajun Field. The Buffalo Bulls out of the MAC. We're going to talk about what's going on around the Sun Belt. We're going to discuss the men's and women's basketball schedule. Now they have a full schedule. The home schedule came out for each respectable sport, a respectable team. We'll talk a little bit a little bit about Raging Cajuns women's soccer, and we'll talk some volleyball as well. And we'll give our predictions at the end. I think that's a good idea. Or, you know whether or not the Cajuns are going to kind of extend that streak to two, or win streak to two against the Buffalo Bulls Saturday night. And last but not least, we will discuss the infamous tailgating situation with the Greeks. Uh, that's been huge news of the day. If you've read social media, you've been on message boards, that's kind of been the topic today. And we will definitely, definitely dive into that. So anyway, we'll get it started. Before we do, we're going to thank some people. We're going to thank some people who help us pay our bills. Sponsors! All right, let's get it started. Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys. We want to thank them. Office locations, Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and Home Office in Baton Rouge. Go by and see the Chief Happiness Officer, Penny. You'll be glad you did. Get the G guarantee. Gordon will win your case or you won't owe a dime. No cost, no expenses, no fee, nothing. 
thousands in NIL deals. They assist athletes with everything from promoting their personal brands to networking within the business world. You can call them toll free at 888-532-1573. That's 888-532-1573. Getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. All right. Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, go visit our friend Mr. Darren Domang, big Cajun supporter, as well as a friend of the pod. Licensed and insured, locally owned and family operated, Darren Domang is a proud UL alum and RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Domang serves as a board director. Just a reminder, if you haven't inspected your roof for damage with the wild weather we've had the last couple of years, Make sure to check for sagging, signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granules and gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture. Three different options for financing available for your roof. Also offer exceptional interior and exterior painting and sheetrock services. They have over 10,000 satisfied customers, so they must they can't be wrong. Give Darren... And the crew are called today, 337-237-ROOF. That's two, three, that's 337-237-ROOF. That is 337-237-7663. Or visit lafayette-roofing.com. Patriot Steel Group, the guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount they can to support our student athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Friend of the pod, Mr. Chris Russo, this is his new venture. Founded in 2021, the founders of Patriot have over 100 years of excellence collectively, or I'm sorry, 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry. Patriot Steel, Steel Group offers domestic ERW or electric resistance welded and seamless tubulars. We can provide you with quality steel anywhere in the United States from premium alloys to carbon grade. Contact Brandon Gallette or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296. That's 337-443-9296 or visit Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. So thank you so much to our sponsors and give these guys a call so josh let's get it started so it was a big must win the other night uh in birmingham um going into this game we knew that the uab blazers would be a very good football team they're very they're a very competitive football team uh in the american athletic conference of course they're new members as well um great win 41 21 had a lot of uh, positives about the game uh, offensively, had over 500 yards of total offense. Defensively, a complete 180 from the ODU game. Credit to the coaching staff and the players uh, in that in that effort defensively. Forced a few turnovers, make some key stops. And, of course, you know, the big buzz around that game was, uh, you know, Zeon Chris coming in for an injured Ben Wooldridge. Um, the other day, I believe it was Monday, in the Monday press conference, Coach uh, Desermo said that Ben Wooldridge, if he had to guess, would be out probably four to six weeks. Uh, it's an injury in his foot. You know, it's always tough to see our star quarterback go down, but we want to wish Ben the best of luck with everything he's been through. You know, he had the offseason injury and recovery, missed the entire spring, coming from that ACL tear last year. Um, you know, it's a shame to see him go down, but there's no doubt in my mind that that Ben will keep his head up and he'll try to get back uh, as fast as possible. So uh, we wish him a very speedy recovery, but just a great game overall, man. Um, again, 41-21 victory. That brings the Cajuns record to 2-1. and one. 
Um, I think everything we wanted to see as fans, we saw it Saturday night. What did you think about that game, Josh? Lots. Uh, there, there are lots of things to kind of break down from that game. But look, you mentioned Ben. I've got nothing but respect for Ben. Thanks for being a raging Cajun. I appreciate your toughness. I, I respect the hell out of Ben Muldridge. Okay. Okay. So we came out of the spring and we said that Zeon Chris, if he was even close to being able to run an offense, needed to be on the field. First of all, because the beginning of the schedule, I think the entire schedule is not very good, but the beginning of the schedule in particular was very soft. Through three games, you've seen awful defense. I mean, that's just a fact. Even ODU that beat us, they beat us offensively with their scheme. They didn't beat us. They didn't stop us offensively, not at all. We looked like a well-oiled machine. Now, in the end, at the end of the second quarter, early in the third quarter, we kind of stalled drives ourselves. Some of that was because of penalties. But for the most part, you saw three bad defenses. And this is why we argued that Zeon should be getting the snaps. And it's in, you know it, it didn't surprise me at all to see when Ben, unfortunately, got hurt. Didn't, it didn't surprise me at all to see Zeon taking the reps. You know, uh, a lot of people expected Chandler there. Uh, again, I, I respect Chandler a whole lot. I appreciate him helping Billy recruit one of his best recruiting classes uh, that the school has ever seen. I got a lot of respect for him and a lot of love for him for that. But at this day, at this point in his development, Zeon Chris is ahead of the game in front of two guys that are juniors and seniors. Does he have the grasp of the offense that the other two have? Probably not. But sometimes talent just it just usurps the professional prepping style or the grasp of the offense. We, we throw those cliches around way too much. Zeon came into the game, and he looked a little shaky early. He, he underthrew a couple guys. He overthrew a couple guys. But you saw after the, the delay, he settled into his, his role. He let the game come to him. He didn't try to, for, to force the issue, and he just shined. He did what we saw him do in the practice, in the spring practices and in the spring game and what we had heard out of camp, he did all those things. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's uh, a surprise to anybody who's been following along. So. Sorry, I had a little uh, noise in the kitchen there, Uh, but, but he did it against a bad defense. So we're going to have to see what he can do against Buffalo. Who's also a bad defense, but probably a step above UAB at this point. They have a lot of transfers. They're very young. They figured out some things. And they're an offensive club. You know, they're gonna, everything they're going to try to do and every, every way they're going to try to beat you is with Dilfer and Zeno in that offense. Right. You saw them, they, you know, the, the guy is, he's one of the top in the country in completion, completion percentage. Everything was short. They tried to extend the running game by throwing the football. Uh, I don't remember how many attempts he had. It wasn't as high as I expected it to, but a lot of that had to do with the defense. And so I'll transition to defense. The defense that we saw in game one and game two, uh, game one was obviously a farce because we played a bad team, but in game two against ODU, I think they just got caught with their pants down from a coaching standpoint. I thought that their preparation was lackluster to be nice, but I never doubted the personnel. And you saw the personnel show up, be physical, be in the position that they needed to be in order to be successful, and they did it the entire night. Now, when the threes and the fours got in there in the third, in the late in the fourth quarter, you saw him give up some yardage and some busted plays. And I don't think that you hold that against the team. I was happy to see Dez address it. The first thing he wanted to say in the media was, hey, this is not how we finish games, and we're going to address that. I'm happy about that. That's the kind of guy Mike is. You know, one of his biggest, uh, the biggest critiques that people have about Mike is lack of attention to detail over the last two years and penalties and things like that. You can tell that it's kind of nipping at him. 
It's kind of bothering him because he's starting to make comments about it. So it's good to see. I, I expect this team to take another step forward against Buffalo, another team that I expect to not be very good. I know they put up a fight against Wisconsin, but since then they've been really bad. Um, but, to, but to stay on UAB, I, I thought you saw a lot of people do a lot of great things. Zylon Perry went out there and made big plays, got chunk yardage, still fumbling, got to fix it. Uh, you see a wide receiver core that has just grown up right in front of your eyes. Harvey is still, man, he might be the second best receiver on the team as a redshirt freshman. He's a true freshman, actually. Or a true freshman, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, which makes it even better and more impressive. I mean, he has he has talent oozing out of his ears. It's crazy. Um, you saw the offensive line, again, perform at a high level. And what I was most impressed about from the offensive line is that they had to adjust their style. I mean, look, you go from a drop-back passer who's going to do three- and five-step drops all night, for the most part, uh, to a guy that's going to go ahead and spread the field, do the RPOs, you know, some zone read. He did do, we did a few zone reads. I mean, but at the same time, it's like when you have a quarterback that's going to get out there and make plays with his feet, you got to be, you got to be aware of that, you know? Uh, and, and I thought those guys handled themselves well and adjusted on the fly. But another thing you saw was a lot of interest and uh, not interest, excitement. You saw a lot of, of excitement when Zeon came on. You saw a lot of excitement from the fan base. You saw a lot of excitement from the team. You saw the team talking on social media after the game. Um, the excitement is palpable. So that is a great thing that comes out of it. But I just wanted to give a shout-out to the offensive line because they took a beating last year from the fans, from, from a lot of people, from the media. I think that we got to praise them every week that they continue to improve. And I know we, have some, uh, we had some injuries that, that kind of moved some parts around last week, this week as well. So we'll see how they, they'll adjust to that without Jax being in the lineup. But to this point, this offensive line has probably, uh, probably outperformed what people thought that they could um, so th those are my takeaways. Linebacker and defensive line, absolutely incredible. Uh, offensive line at the top of my list, and of course, Zeon's performance. I mean, so many great things, and and I don't know what people expected out of UAB. I didn't think they were very good. I thought offensively they would challenge us, but they didn't. I mean, that's just the bottom line. We went over to their house, and we laid a whooping on them. Yeah, no doubt. And to give you a little bit of um, perspective on what you were talking about with Zeon, you know, everybody's high on Zeon. I mean, from if you have eyes, you can see that he played, you know, an awesome game to come in and fill in the role at quarterback. Uh, Zeon Chris was 14 for 20, 174 yards passing, one touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, rushing, six rushes, 103 yards, two touchdowns, including an 80-yard touchdown run that, I mean, you can watch on replay. I think everybody's been watching on replay all week. Uh, just a great, great performance. Um, very pleased, by the way, his poise, his poise and sort of that sort of um, uh, that, that I guess that that assertiveness that he brought to the field was very impressive for a redshirt freshman. Uh, well, how about how about his ability to adjust? Because very good job doing that. Yeah, for sure. nobody can say he didn't come out rattled. I mean, the guy was nervous. No. He was no. throwing the ball all over the place and, and he settled in. And I think that's the most impressive part about the entire performance. Of course, and, and also, too, a shout-out to Jacob Cabote. Uh, seven carries, 108 yards, one touchdown, including a 59-yard run. I believe his touchdown was about 40 yards. So it was nice to see Cabote uh, break some runs, some long runs. You know, we really hadn't seen that from him. Um, he kind of reminds me of, like, a, a younger Trey Regis. Very dynamic, has good field vision, strong, basically rolls over you, gets three automatic yards. He's he's tough to bring down, but when he breaks into that second level, he has a little bit of a burst of speed that's very impressive. You do you you mix that in 
with a healthy Dre Washington. You mix that in with a, with a Zylon Perry as well as an Elijah Davis and a Terrence Williams. That's five running backs right there that you can pick from in your arsenal to to just ground and pound against defenses. I mean, that's how you wear defenses out when you're that deep in the depth chart. I mean, you know, kudos to the offensive line. Great job opening blocks. I mean, they opened up some blocks the other night that allowed for some long runs that we haven't seen in a long time, uh, at least at least two years. It was nice to see that. Uh, 307 yards rushing on the ground. I mean, if you can't compliment the offensive line after that, then you just don't like the offensive line. Uh, 515 total yards of offense, which include also 208 yards passing. I mean, offense had a great day at the office. It was good to see that. And especially now because, you know, you play a Buffalo team that can score. Uh, we're about to talk about them in a little bit, but they can score points. So you're going to have to counter that. And then after that, you, you, you play Minnesota and then go into conference. You want a game like you had against UAB because now you're going to start playing teams that that are good. They're going to challenge you. So, so it's good to see the offense, uh, you know, do what they did last week and, um, you know, build a lot of confidence into this team after that win on the road like that. I mean, you went on the road against a respectable American athletic conference school and you dominated them from start to finish. I mean, I don't think there was any other way to me outside of the end of the game, right? You didn't want to give up 18 unanswered points. I mean, it was 41 to three with seven minutes to go. Uh, I know coach Des wasn't happy about that because look, you know, I said this the other night, you have a lot of these second, third string players that don't really get to play, but this is, let this be a lesson to them to prepare as if they're playing. It's not easy being a backup, but at the same time, when it's time for you to get called out into the field and you give up 18 points, what's going to happen if somebody ahead of you gets hurt, right? So I hope that was a lesson for them. And I have no doubt in my mind that this coaching staff is going to prepare these backups uh, a lot more effectively uh, the next few weeks, fully well knowing that it may be their time. Yeah, well, you've heard the cliche. I don't know how much of a cliche it is, but it's definitely true. The best scenario for a coach is to have a dominant win, but still have something to work on. And that's exactly what they delivered. Like, no snap is wasted at this point. When you got guys that are young, you know, freshmen, sophomore, and they're getting snaps and reps and game time, that that will only be good for them down the stretch. They've been in that situation where they've seen live action. They've seen what bullets look like. They've seen an offense trying to put points on the board quickly. Uh, especially on the defensive side. So that's only a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I know that you don't ever want to fill it, finish a game like that and be sloppy. But at the same time, you got some stuff on film that you can go in and work on. Des can holler and scream at people, but still feel good inside. Uh, I, I'm not overly concerned about that. I'm glad that guys got to get reps. I, I got no issue. Yeah, no doubt about it. I agree. Uh, I don't have any issues either there. Um, that was a game that was a must win. And look, this was a must win for UAB as well. Listening, listening to their fan podcast last week, uh, Blazer Victory podcast, they were talking about it. This was a must win for them because they get to go to Athens, Georgia this week and take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And then the following week, they go to Tulane. So this was a sort of a, not going to say do or die situation for them, but now they're staring at one and four directly. Like it's almost like they're looking right into the sun right now with their situation compared to us where now we can build on this and, and hopefully get a win uh, against Buffalo this weekend. So anything else you want to add about the UAB game, Josh? Are we like a hundred and oh in lightning delay games? <laughs> Anytime there's weather, we win. I think, I think somebody at UL cut a deal with Thor. Um, 
I, I maybe offered him some gumbo or something because every time we get a lightning delay, it's 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 almost like deja vu from 2002 when we played UAB. Remember that in 2002, like Cajun Field turned into a a pool, and uh, that was Ricky Bustle's first win as the Cajuns head coach. Uh, the Cajuns dominated a really good UAB team, 34 nothing. And I just remember, I think the score was like 34-3 to uh, the other night at one point. And I'm sitting there like, wow, this is deja vu all over again from 2002. Well, what Des has done is he set himself up to go into Minnesota at 3-1. and one. If I said you get to see Minnesota at 3-1, and one, you feel pretty good about that. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there that didn't think we could do that. But still, here no. we are. It's a, you know... This is the end of the first quarter of the season. And we have an opportunity to finish it the right way, go into Minnesota with some momentum. You got a new guy Absolutely. captaining the ship. You got a guy that has his he's rallied the fan base. You got a guy that you can rally behind. You can market. You can find some excitement in and push it to the fans and get some buzz. So we're in a good spot. I'm happy for Dez. They've obviously made some corrections. They've obviously improved across the board. Uh, I know ODU was kind of a smack in the face, but sometimes that helps you as a team. I will put a bow on UAB and say it like this. They weren't a very good team. I would call them a bad team. But what do you do with bad teams? You abuse them. And that's what we did. We went on the road and we abused them. But even against bad teams in the past, even in the last five years, we've struggled to win games. Not to say we haven't won those games, but even against bad teams. I remember going to Jonesboro, yeah, Jonesboro two years ago to play Arkansas State. Now this team was like two and ten, and we were that was the year we finished sixteenth in the country and won the Sun Belt Championship. And it took a ninety-nine yard touchdown run by um oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Johnson by Johnson to uh to beat him by one point, twenty-eight twenty-seven. But yeah, Montreal Johnson pulled that ninety-nine yard touchdown run. That's what it took to beat a two and ten Arkansas State team by one point. So Yes, maybe UAB is not as good of a team as we thought they were. I know you you were saying that before, um, but we still dominated this team. And so, like you said, when you are better than them on paper, you got to go out and you got to dominate. And that's what we did. And now that carries that momentum into into Buffalo, who seems to be kind of struggling right now. They, they're a lot better on paper than what they've shown. So moving on to Buffalo, let's talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bulls. Um, the Buffalo Bulls out of the MAC come in at 0-3. They'll come into Lafayette to take on Louisiana on Saturday, this Saturday, September 23rd. Kickoff will be at 6.30 p.m. at Cajun Field. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus or listen on radio at Hot 107.9 FM or 103.3 The Goat FM. And this will also be family weekend, so you'll have a lot of parents and cousins and aunts, uncles, grandparents of students attending the game. But let's talk a little bit about Buffalo. So Buffalo is led by head coach in his third year, Coach Maurice Linguist. He's got an 11-17 and 17 record. The Buffalo Bulls, like I said on paper, they're not a bad team. Uh, they've got a really good offense. They're pretty big in size. They kind of look like a Big Ten offense, and they spread it out. Big linemen, big skill players. They've got a quarterback in senior fifth-year senior Cole Snyder has a 64.9 pass completion rating. Uh, Pass completion percentage, he's thrown for 735 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he's his passing yardage on average over the last three game is at games is 245 yards. Uh, their running backs are led by seniors Ron Cook and Mike sophomore 
Mike Washington, uh, rushing-wise, they average 102 yards per game. Um, receiving core, Marlon Jackson, who's a senior, 13 receptions, 144 yards, three touchdowns, and also grad, uh, a grad graduate, uh, Cole Harity. I'm sorry, graduate, I think it was a grad transfer. I'm not sure if he's a grad transfer or is he just a senior. Cole Harity at 13 receptions for 111 yards and two touchdowns. So they've got some pretty decent players on the offensive side. Um, they averaged 347 yards of offense over these last three games, and they averaged 27 points. So they can score. They can move the ball. They've got some skilled players. They've got some size, and they can score. Here's where they struggle. Defense. If you look at their passing yardages, they've given up over the last three weeks on average 280.7 yards. And in rushing, they've given up 229.7 yards per game, which equals a total. They've given up an average over the last three games, total offense, 510 yards. Now, as a Cajuns fan, oh, and also one more thing. They've also given up 44 points a game. Uh, if you look at their last three games, they opened up the season at Wisconsin. Uh, they lost 38-17, to followed by a very disappointing loss to Fordham at home in their home opener by the score of 40-37. to And last week, they lost at home to Liberty, pretty much a no contest by the score of 55-27. to So again, they've been outscored by an average of 44-27. to As a Cajuns fan, if I'm looking at those stats from an offensive perspective, seeing that they've given up 40 points to an FCS team like Fordham and giving up 55 points at home to Liberty. I don't know about you, Josh, but from what I saw last week at Birmingham, I'm licking my chops. I'm feeling really good about some potential explosiveness that we're going to see at Cajun Field with our offense right now. Even in the loss to ODU, we still scored 31 points. And we kind of struggled in some of those drives, but yet we still were able to score over 30 points. I mean, these last three games, we scored over 30 points. If you're playing a Buffalo team that's giving up an average of 510 yards in these last three games, including which includes against a team, an FCS team in Fordham, I expect our, our offense, barring any goofy mistakes, any self-inflicted wounds, I expect I expect our offense to light up some light up the scoreboard on uh, on, on Saturday night. Well, even if you show up and play an average game, they're averaging 27 points a game. We're averaging 36. So. Doesn't really matter, but the thing is, is that the, the defense is bad. The football is turned over repeatedly by their offense, and they're sus they're suspect on special teams. I don't think that they scored twenty seven points against this defense, especially at home. They do run a pretty traditional offense. They're going to line up and again lean on their physicality to try to push us around. It ain't going to happen, um, especially if there's a lightning strike. But this is the type of team that the Cajuns feast on. We are so much faster than they are. I know they have a couple of skilled guys that can go. I know they have an older quarterback. Uh, I think they need a whole lot more to beat us. We are too explosive for them, especially with Zeon under, under uh, center. I, I, you know me, I'm not going to predict. When I do predict, I'll be very neutral on my prediction because I don't want to jinx anything. But on paper, the Cajuns are just a better team. It's not even close. Um, I know that people kind of got lulled to sleep with this. Buffalo team because they gave Wisconsin a game for three quarters. But if you watch the game, Wisconsin was like sleepwalking through the game. I don't know what was going on over there. I, I really, you know, game one is always kind of a crapshoot. Uh, but Wisconsin just looked awful. And they haven't been world beaters since then either. So 
I think we, you know, it's a little bit of fool's gold with that performance with Buffalo. Since then, they've just been dreadful. So, look, we're at home. We're, we have better personnel. If we put together a good game plan, there's no reason why this game should even be close, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, ironically, too, last year, Buffalo actually started the season 0-3 again. I think they had a loss to an FCS opponent as well, so it's almost like deja vu for them. But last year, after starting 0-3, they won five in a row and finished the season 6-6, six and six, but then ended up in a bowl game and then also and, and ended up beating uh, Georgia Southern in the Camellia Bowl by the score of 23-21. to 21. So starting 0-3 last year, they finished with a 7-6 and six record. Uh, so... So this is a team that once they get it going, they can really have a sh- really have a shot to create some momentum and, and 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 really really you know pat off a win streak. Let's just hope it's not this Saturday at Cajun Field. Right. So with that being said, uh, we talked a little bit about injuries early on. You talked about Jax Harrington. Uh, Jax Harrington will still be out this week. Uh, I think he's out either one to two games. He'll be out this week. Not sure about um, the Minnesota game. Um, we're going to, I mean, we're going to miss him this weekend. He's been a huge help on the offensive line, sort of has a little bit of seniority there with his leadership. But the good news, both Draylon Washington and wide receiver Robert Williams will be back, uh, ready to go. So, you know, we talk about that explosiveness. Having those two guys back is going to be a huge help, especially for a young Zeon uh, making his debut start at quarterback. And George Jackson on the offensive line as of right now is probable. Most likely, it's probably going to be one of those last-minute decisions. I'm sure he'll dress out. So that's another uh, weapon you can add on the offensive line. But let's talk a little bit about Zeon, right? Zeon Chris. Everybody's hyped up about Zeon Chris. Zeon is the, you know, he's this, he's that. And and I know there's a lot of hype going into to, to Zeon's first start this weekend, and, and rightfully so, right? I mean, he, he was an, he's an expo- explosive player. We know a lot of good things about him. I've seen film on him when he was at Madison Prep. Anytime you can hang 56 points on, on STM, on STM's defense, that's pretty impressive. Uh, he's got a lot of attributes. He's, he's mobile. He's got a great arm. Um, he, can make, he can make something out of nothing, and there's a lot of excitement about him. Um, I know the coaching staff is probably trying to block out the noise for him. You know, he still is a redshirt freshman. Uh, I know that there's a lot of um, excitement and expectations and everything about him is there. But um, I just hope the main thing for me this week is, look, Zeon's going to make mistakes. He's not perfect. But I at least hope that the efficiency and the speed of our offense and the tempo of our offense can carry this weekend from what we saw last weekend in Birmingham. That's what I'm going to be looking for. I'm not expecting him to have 100% pass completion. I'm not expecting him to break another 80-yard touchdown run. If he does, great. I just want to see him continue to develop, continue to get better, and be able to play in a situation where now he's the starting quarterback, right? The mentality and the mindset is very different. We talked about this with baseball, right? Whether you're a relief pitcher or a starting pitcher, that's a different attitude. It's a different approach you have to take going into the game. He seems like a very poised player. He seems like he's very calm and collective. Um, you know, I've seen some of his videos on, on, on YouTube. You know, he's actually kind of like this uh, unofficial pastor. He likes to preach, which is great. He, the man lives his faith. That's good. And so there's a sense of calmness that comes with him. And, and then the dynamite happens on the field. But I, I'm not going to put him on a pedestal yet because I, I want him to develop. I want him to be able to create those highlights and create the excitement. 
but I don't I don't want to put the pressure on him. You know, I know I know that's kind of his. He, obviously, he's in the limelight now. I'm expecting him to to continue to improve, to continue to get better, and I'm excited to see what he can do. It's going to be interesting to see what what he's going to do Saturday night. And I know there's a ton of fans that will be buying tickets to go check him out. Well, and that's the thing. He creates excitement. Just there's something about him. He has the it factor. Uh, at the quarterback position, it's been a while. Now, look, Levi broke a lot of records here, but he didn't feel um, must-see TV. You know what I mean? That, that that wasn't his thing. He he was just a steady Eddie quarterback. You knew you knew what kind of results you were going to get. You knew he was going to produce for you. That was Levi's shtick. Zeon, I mean, when we're still getting to know him a little bit on the field, uh, there's something electric about him. It'll be interesting because Buffalo now is going to prepare for Zeon. So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting now on our side because Zeon took all of the first string snaps. He worked with the ones all weekend long or all week long. The game plan is going to be 100% tailored to, to fit his abilities, which in the past has, it's not been that, that way. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, that alone is worth the price of admission. Just, just to see how that plays out. Um, you saw him do great things at multiple levels. You, th- you saw him throw a, a couple of gorgeous deep balls complete uh, for big gains. You, you saw him throw the ball up the seam accurately on the numbers a couple times to tight ends and, and wide receivers. You saw him throw outs. You saw him make something out of nothing, as you said. You saw him uh, do, do several things. Now, one place that I see that he can improve is that he still, and, and this is what young quarterbacks do, he stares down his receivers. You can tell he gets locked in on one side of the field, and that's dangerous. Um, now, that might be the game plan when you come in off the bench. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a one-read-and-go type situation for them uh, in a game like that. But I think that at Buffalo, if he has any amount of grasp of the offense, you give him a little bit more, put a little more on his plate, see what he can handle. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I mean, there's so many different things. What kind of, you know, how much does he know the route trees? You know, what is this check down? Like how many options are they giving him? I want to see him go through progressions and make good decisions. To me, this week for, for Zeon is all about what kind of decisions can you make? Because now the spotlight's on you. I got to see you make good decisions. I don't expect you to throw a dime every time. I don't expect you to be perfect on the field. It's not going to happen. In fact, I, 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 kind of think he's going to take a step back this week because it is a gigantic adjustment from coming off the bench and starring. Then the next week, everything is about you. Every, every game plan is about you to try to stop you. You have to be a, a superstar in the making to be a, what is he, a redshirt freshman and, and be able to overcome that. So I think that the, the cards are kind of stacked against him. So I do, ta- I, I do expect a little bit of a step back, but I'm going to be watching Good decisions, right reads. How do you ha- how do you stay handle? Uh, how do you handle yourself after you make a decision? Do you stay calm under pressure? Do you stay calm after big mistakes? If we get into a obvious passing down, what are you going to do? Are you going to stare at your receiver? Or are you going to come off that receiver? Are you going to panic? Are you going to feel the pocket? Are you going to climb the ladder in the pocket? Are you going to look to run? How is he going to handle those those type of situations? That's what I'm going to be looking for. Uh, so I would encourage people not to be staring at the stat line. Watch the game and watch how he plays the game. That's more more important for our future than the stats that he's going to put up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, too, I think, you know, he still needs to develop. I mean, what you saw last week is not the end-all, be-all of Zeon Chris. I mean, he's got 
so much upside and so much room to grow, not only as a quarterback, but as a team leader now. I mean, when, when you're given the keys to the kingdom or the keys to the Corvette and you're a true freshman quarterback and now all eyes are on you, how do you handle that? How do you how do you handle the pressure? Like we said, all week long, we've seen social media. We've seen people talking about how he's the next great thing. And that's good. That's fine. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, you have a lot of fan interest in him. But you also kind of have to let him develop and give him a chance. Because at the end of the day, it's not fair to him, right? If, if we expect him to all of a sudden go be Caleb Williams, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's he, he's still he still has a lot to learn. And I appreciate the fact that he sort of has kept this sense of humility about himself. He doesn't seem like somebody that says too much. He just kind of lets his playing do the talking on the field. Um, but I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to, I'm really excited to watch him develop. And, and like you said, I don't expect him to go all, I don't expect him to have the best, you know, the greatest ever stat line looking like an all American Saturday night, but I do expect him to continue to get better, continue to develop and continue to improve and make some plays. We're going to see some explosiveness from him. I'm just not, I just don't want, I just don't want the pressure on him yet. You know, I, I think he's, look, he's, like I said, he's going to mess up. It's going to happen. That's what freshmen do. They mess up. I, but, I think it's important to note that people need to understand, and I'm not saying they don't, just it's like it's a good topic of conversation. He can go out and have a milk toast stat line and still gonna get better. It's going to happen. Well, he can of still course. get better while not necessarily wowing you with stats. You know, a lot of the things that fans don't see is, you know, maybe he made a right read and maybe a receiver ran a wrong route or he didn't, he rounded off a route or something like that, or maybe a defense. You know, you never know what can happen throughout the course of, of a game and defense versus offense battle. But it doesn't mean that the quarterback isn't pro producing and taking that next step. So really genuinely watch what's going on. Watch the plays. You you will be able to see him make his progressions. You will be able to see if he read the right hot route or or whatever. If, if he shifted the offensive line in the right spot, if he, you'll be able to see it, um, I think. You know, if you, if you watch a lot of football, you better see it. But I do kind of want to see him get the pressure. I, I want to see what how he handles different aspects of being a quarterback of a Division One football team. Some of that is the pressure of being the guy. Some of it is being the pressure of, hey, everybody's looking to you, and it's a minute and 51 seconds left, and we're down by six. Can you drive the football field and go score? Like, I want to see how he handles those things. I think, I think our fan base sees the talent. I think that they're willing to give the guy some time to grow up. In fact, I know it. I've had many conversations about it. What I like is that he has that that it that I talked about, but it it lends itself to you get more leeway with the fan base, you know. Like, and and I'm not making this comparison, but I remember when Michael Vick came up and he was playing in Atlanta, he would make the he he even said he barely studied any playbook. He barely he could he couldn't read defenses. He would snap the ball if his first read wasn't wasn't open. He would run the football. I want to see Zion get better but i also think that our fan base he's such a likable player i don't think that we're going to be jumping all over him the first time he makes a mistake i think people understand look we got something special here let's let the guy grow up so a lot to be learned about this whole zeon chris thing one thing that's great about it is it's created buzz in the fan base you got the cool shirts already being bought and they'll be in the crowd and that's cool we haven't had that in a long time um it, it just gives you something to wrap your arms around with this football team it's strong excitement. I mean, I haven't seen this much excitement about our football team 
in a while. And I, and because of the explosiveness, the dynamics and really seeing the offense around him play as well as they have. Right. So the speed, the tempo, everything about what the offense did when he was in there, the rushing attack and everything, it was just fun to watch. It's, it's, it's a fun product to watch. Um, and I see a lot of similarities to 2012. You know, you have Blaine Goche, who's a senior quarterback at the time. He goes down early. In comes a young Terrence Broadway, and Broadway lights it up. I mean, Terrence lighted up so well to where he basically kept his starting job, and Blaine would come in in certain packages at the end of the season because the coaching staff didn't want to lose any momentum that Terrence created. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, whether or not, look, we, we could talk about, What's going to happen weeks away from now when Ben heals up and comes back? But right now, we're going to see what 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 Zion does. We're going to find out what type of quarterback he is, and we're and and to your point about you know the checkdowns and his reads, that's going to come with time. I mean, ex- experience can only create those opportunities for him to make those plays. And I think the more experience he gets, you know, the more he can adjust to the game, the more he can adjust to the speed of the game at the collegiate level. He's only going to learn more and get better as time goes on. So I'm excited about it. I know you're excited about it. I know our fans are excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun at Cajun Field. Again, you're playing a defense that, you know, not to talk too bad about them, but they're not that good. So this is a golden opportunity for these this 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 offense to to really to really be entertaining on Saturday night. Just don't get complacent. That's all I ask. I don't want to be saying all these things and then we're coming back Saturday night complaining about a loss. So uh, as long as the guys keep their heads down and keep that momentum going from UAB, I, I don't I don't see it being much of a problem. And I think this team is is focused. I think they they definitely have the prize. They're staring at the prize down the down at the end of or the light at the end of the tunnel that they're trying to accomplish something big here. So um, looking forward to it again. Uh, the Cajuns will host Buffalo, the Bulls out of the MAC at Cajun Field Saturday night at 6:30 p.m. or kickoff is at 6:30 p.m. Okay, but before that, fans tend to tailgate, and we'll have tailgating spots open, and we'll have all kinds of activity inside of Cajun Field. <sighs> now, the infamous topic that's been on our minds all day long. Oh, wait, before, before we, we, before we can do go Greeks, ahead. we got to tell everybody that the burn ban has been uh, yes. largely lifted, so go run your generators and cook your food. Uh, no hibachi. No hibachi. Which, we don't want flames we, flying in the air. No hibachi. It's all so damn ridiculous. <laughs> so, yes, you can't cook your food. Just no crazy open flames or any pyrotechnics at your tailgate spot. Again, you know, if you want to avoid it, avoid hibachi. And I love hibachi, but usually you have the high flames in the air. We don't want any of that, right? Don't be spraying any alcohol and cooking anything fancy where flames are flying. We don't want any the fire marshal coming in, banning tailgating over here because whatever. Anyway, so... With that said, let's talk a little bit about the whole Greek student tailgate situation. Now, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you a rundown on what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of questions being asked. There's a lot of anger and frustration uh, from the fan base today. Uh, so let's let's get it started. So Josh, I'm gonna give a rundown. I have it written down here. I'm gonna kind of give an idea of of what's going on. Okay, you should do it like on the detective shows when they have. You know, some eerie music in the background, you know, 8.56 a.m. Email sent to Fraternity Sorority Row. Yes. Dun, 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 nah, nah. Anyway, so Rage and Review got a tip this morning from some students 
that there was going to be a possible boycott, a fraternity boycott in particular. And of course, we were wondering what was going on. And we found out that there was an email that was sent out to the Greeks that no drinking games, no glass containers, and no common sources of alcohol, which includes kegs, liquor bottles, or etc., were allowed. Also, if you brought an ice chest or you bring an ice chest to the tailgate, it must be labeled over 21 or labeled water or labeled soft drinks, etc. So, that's number one. What we decided to do was kind of look into it. You know, we asked around what was going on and what we were told was that the, the rules for no drinking games and no glass containers and all that stuff and no common sources of alcohol, apparently we found out that the rule has always existed, but they've never officially enforced the rule. And so they decided to enforce the rule this weekend because Saturday for the Buffalo game, it's family weekend. So that's one, that's number one. Number two, we find out that the Greek fraternities can't even go to their Greek houses on Saturday or game day to the point where there will be guards watching them so they don't go in the house. Some people live there. They can't pay money. if they're armed guards or not, but I suspect they might be. There's somebody in front, like somebody that says whether or not you can't go to the Greek house. So they're not allowed to go to the Greek houses, some of which who live there. And then they can't go and play drinking games or glass containers, no common sources of alcohol at the tailgate. Now, this is three no weeks. No water pong either. Oh, yeah, no, 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 can't do that. God forbid now, you play a little water pong. Now, this is three weeks removed from the ruling that they were not going to allow freshmen to tailgate at the student tailgate because there would be alcohol there. Now, apparently we heard it was rush week and they didn't want a tailgating there. Well, come to find out, because there was a threat on Rage and Pagan that 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 was happening for the Northwestern State game, the university flipped the ruling and allowed freshmen to tailgate. Well, today, because of everything going on and all of these different anonymous sources telling people stuff, we find out that there's a threat on Rage and Pagan about this. And pretty much it's safe to say that uh, it turned into a whirlwind of of just crazy reactions from fans and so here's here's what's going down so this is what's going down because of the rules and because of everything that's being pushed by the university they're getting a lot of backlash right now there's a lot of people wondering why you wouldn't let greeks go to the game or why would you let greeks tailgate and do all these things to the point where there's a possibility on saturday guys when you go to the game against buffalo you may see an empty student section that's how far this has gone. The Greeks can't play drinking games. They can't do this. They can't do that. The tailgate. They can't even go to their Greek houses. So now they're fed up and they've had enough. And now they might even boycott the game. My problem with all of this, number one, is why try to nitpick? Because you tried to mess with the freshmen three weeks ago. You're doing this now. You're, you're, you're nitpicking the rules. We were told that these rules... We were told that these rules 
were always existing, but then you only, but now you're enforcing it because of family weekend. So what that tells me is, is you don't even enforce your own rules. You do it conveniently. So this is, this is not, to me, this is not, uh, um, this is not uh, cafeteria policing, okay? You don't just get to pick and choose when you want to enforce your rules when it's convenient for you. And well, on top of that... You're also not talking about last year where they threw students out of the games for spitting on people, which I still think is a lie. And then the other thing was a racist remark. I still think that was a lie. And I thought it at the time. And then they tried. the students tried to do a grassroots tailgating for the basketball team at Fraternity Row. They shut that down. Everything they try to do is targeted at the Greeks and the student organizations uh, that participate in, uh, you know, games and off-campus situations and things like that. It's all about going after the youth, and it's the same office that is conducting all of this. I didn't want to interrupt well, you, but I wanted to no, remind but- you about what happened last year when we had to fight this damn battle. What I think what bothers me is if you're giving a reason to all of a sudden enforce the rules that you never enforced before that apparently were always there, you're enforcing it because of family weekend as if parents, a lot of these parents went to college too. I highly doubt parents are going to be walking through the student tailgate and, and just freak out because a bunch of students are, are drinking a beer or playing beer pong. I, I mean, I, I don't like playing drinking games. So, so basically you can technically still, from what I understand, you can technically still drink. You just can't, you just can't play drinking games. Why? Because it looks bad. This is this is college. This is a college tailgate. That's what they do. This is this is not. We're not doing any type of ritualistic cult activity. This is a normal college event. That's what you do at tailgates. You you drink. You have fun as long as you do it legally, right? I mean, we don't condone underage drinking, but at the same time. You know, this is what people do. I, I don't. I don't care what what you do. I don't care. What do you mean you don't condone it? I don't care. You drink. I did. Everybody does. It's part of the experience. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying it's ridiculous that these these laws, these rules, have been on the books all these years. And today, you know what? We're gonna enforce that. It's like you know, you go on the weird. You go on the website. You can find these uh, or on the on Google. You can find these weird laws in Arizona. And I did it today just to illustrate a point. Uh, you know, in Arizona, you can't have a donkey sleeping in your tub past 7 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to start enforcing that in Arizona. We're going to start passing out tickets for you having a donkey in your bathroom. Th- that, is, that is the equivalent of what's happening here. Underage drinking, give me a freaking break, all right? In Germany, you can be 16 and sit down and have a freaking glass of spirits on the rocks, all right? Th- th- this is so ridiculous. So, it's so arbitrary. There is absolutely well, no reason. Here's the thing. I understand. I'm, I'm going to say this. I understand the liability factor. I get that. I get that. But, but, you know, when I asked, I specifically asked about the Greek houses, right? You're not letting students go to the Greek houses on game day, which I personally, I think is ridiculous because I asked, was there something that happened, right? Usually when you enforce something like that, there's an incident that happened. There was a tragic incident. Somebody got hurt. Somebody got sent to the hospital, you know, something like that, which would say, okay, we're not temporarily we're going to investigate we're not going to let people go to the greek houses but from what we were told there was no event there was no occurrence that happened they just decided to do it and i think what makes matters worse to me is you've got people that are concerned about this asking questions and now 
we have people out there that are straight up, you know, the university is coming out saying, well, that never happened. We never said these things. And here we are at Rage and Review. We got the email specifically. They're lying the to the media. The media has, no. a, just to let everybody know, yeah. the media at KADN and Schultz on KPL, they have, they have this information and now they're talking about it. KADN reached out to the marketing department or the uh, media department, whatever the hell that means, and they said it was totally untrue. So now they're lying to cover their ass or they don't know what is going on in the uh, dean of students office, which is a whole nother problem. But, but just to, to piggyback on your point, you said that you, you, you understand the liability. Well, if there's so much liability, then why do 350 other colleges not have this problem? That's, that's, How come that's it, what I was always, it always seems like it's here in Lafayette. It's, we're the only people that have liability. It's, it's, that is mumbo-jumbo. They are deciding that they want to target the students. I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if it's political. I don't know if it's professional. I don't know what the hell's going on. And Jerry, you know I'm not a political person. I don't interject it into my conversations ever. We talk enough for you to know that. I am convinced that they have hired this person who got kicked out of Mississippi State for ruining Greek life over there. Greek life over there. We hired her for God knows why. You have an authoritarian, progressive, fascistic person running the dean of students' office, and they are diametrically opposed to how Greek life is conducted. And that not, that's not just at UL, that's everywhere. They are totally against how Greek life uh, is a part of the fabric of academia. They hate it. So what, 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 you give this woman court, carte blanche, she goes out and does whatever the hell she wants. She en enacts rules from the, from, you know, archaic rules from the 17th, 1700s. She tells the students that they can't show up to tailgate. She tells them they can't go to their own homes. She shuts down anything that's, that's remotely fun right outside of their front door on a freaking frat row, like a tailgate for basketball team, for the basketball team when you're dying to get students in the damn dome, which is, you know, 100 yards away. And that's just in the last... 15 months. This has been going on since like 15 or 16 when she got hired. And it's no secret. The only reason we know about it is because the students have gotten so fed up that they're starting to feed information to people like Razor Review and the media at large and all these other folks. So now we know what's going on and now we've been keeping up with it. It is ridiculous. It is destroying the foundation of our fan base. Everybody knows it starts with the students. It is not a wonder why we had 7,000 people at Troy last year and no students in the student section. It is this woman, Heidi Lindsay, this idiot that is destroying our, the, the very beginnings of our fan base. Not only does it hurt the fan base, it hurts the support at large. It hurts the RCAF donations. It hurts anything and any amount of participation that people want, that like may have in them. But as soon as they have an inner, a, a run in with the dean of students or anything like that, they're out. You get one chance to make a good impression on these people and they're out. So you got somebody like that in a position that is, that is, you know, obviously that have, has a lot of influence on how the students have their student uh, experience and their life on campus and at the, uh, the sporting events, and she's destroying it. How, what, what more do we need to see out of this woman than to get her the hell out of here? She is, she is actively hurting our support system for athletics and for student engagement and student experience. How much more are we going to put up with? Well, I think the response from Martin Hall that bothered me was, and you saw a bunch of people that posted on Rage and Page, and it was this response, kind of, it's kind of arrogant response, like I don't make the rules, like I don't, I don't make the rules, I didn't create the rule. Yeah, but you enforce them when it's convenient for you. You enforce them when it's comfortable for you, for whatever reason. Like this rule that's been around for apparently so long, 
has never been enforced. And everybody knows it hasn't been enforced. And all of a sudden now you just decide when it's convenient to enforce it. Well, that's not how rules work. When rules are there, they're meant to be enforced 100% of the time, not when it's comfortable for you. And what are you doing in return is you're, 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 you're hurting student life, you're hurting student organizations, you're hurting student involvement, right? The backbone of our, of, 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 of engagement with the community, right? Student involvement is a big, is a big force in that. And guess what? You're upsetting future, uh, future potential donors, people that may not want to give money. You know, if they have a bad experience in college, you know what they're going to do? They're not going to give money back here. They're going to go somewhere else or another place, another certain school in the state and give money there. Because I guarantee you that place is a lot more attractive than somebody that's trying to run you off when you try to go to your football games of the school that you attend. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There is another game an hour east of us that we'll be playing around the same time. You know what some of the students are going to do? And you know what? I, at this point, I can't get on them for it. They're going to say, well, if we can't go tailgate here, we can go hour to the east across the basin. We'll go over there. We'll go I to want that you, game. I want you to go I to the, I can't blame them for it. I, I want I, you I to go across the basin, and I want you to tell them you can't bring that ice chest in here because it doesn't have over 21 on it. I want you to tell them that they can't play water pong. I want you to tell them they can't go in their frat house. They're going to laugh at you. Because that's what we used to do around here, Jerry. When stupidity used to make its way through the tailgate area, you know, back when we used to have a tailgate area, we would laugh at those people and say, that's dumb. We're in college. We're going to play beer pong or water pong, whatever drinking game we want. Because it's part of the game experience, part of the college experience. It's part of the experience. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It is part of it. it you have absolutely no right to just start enforcing your, your rules whenever the hell you feel like it. That is just, we, it is another example of the incompetence that we employ at every level of this stupid-ass administration. There is a reason why we don't have fans. There's a reason why our CAF is below 2,000 members 15 years into existence. There's a reason why we are begging people to show up to our events and please come back and tailgate and please pay $10 to park and please and please and please. Because we do it to ourselves with idiots in key positions like this woman. It, you want to do your best to bring people in, especially when it comes to sporting events, especially when it comes to community involvement. The point of all of that is to bring people in, not run them off. And look, actions speak louder than words. You can say what you want, but when you have an email that you can't do certain things at the tailgate, when you have uh, word out that you can't go to your own Greek house, like that, no, nah, man, I'm sorry. There's no... There's no spin to that. There's no spin to that. You, you, you are trying your best to sabotage something. There is definitely a motive to sabotage if you're going this far. And don't give me the, like, there's no excuse when it's a family weekend. There's no excuse as far as family weekend. So what does that mean? So because after family weekend passes in two weeks, whenever the Cajuns play Texas State at home again, that means the students could go back and drink again i mean what like like that makes no sense it makes no sense all i see and look i am not a conspiracy theorist and i'm not one of these people that believes there's some motive behind but to me i feel like there's there has to be some type of something something's not right about this about these decisions agenda is the word you're looking for agenda yeah there but but that's the thing what like why would you enforce an agenda on an event 
that is considered outside of academics the number one marketing tool of your university, which is a football game. The athletics, we've always said, is a number one marketing tool of a school outside of, if unless you're Harvard or Stanford, right? And you're running people, you're, you're making people turn in, a, in another direction. So again, this weekend, we're just going to say it. Look, this weekend, if we see another student section that looks like Troy, the Troy game last year, that's not going to be on the students. The blame is not going to be on the students on this one. Not going to be on the students. No, it's going to be pointed back to that building on uh, on university. And sorry, Evan, we're gonna we're gonna take another screenshot and tweet it out again because it's going to be pointed right back at the administration this time. Listen, it's ridiculous. You got a brain dead progressive destroying the the Greek participation, the student participation, the student organizations. They don't want to go, and I don't blame them. And we talked about it last year. I get it, but something's got to be done. Like I want to be as as aggressive in this message as we possibly can. This needs to be overturned. This needs to be changed. They need to lift a stupid-ass rule tomorrow. And there needs to be an announcement by athletics talking about our event and fixing this damn problem on Fraternity Row and in and, and, and the sororities as well. There needs to be a clear message that comes out of Martin Hall tomorrow letting the kids know they can go and do their thing at the field so that we can get the student participation that we need. You want to get back in the good graces of the people that t attend your school and pay tuition to be here? You need to release a message tomorrow saying that this has all been taken care of. You know, best case scenario, they they fire Heidi Lindsay. Uh, but if we don't fire her, we need to overturn this bullshit. This is ridiculous. I almost want them to boycott if they don't change it. I almost want, I would. If I'd be in their position, I would. I can't go into my house before the game. There's a guard standing at my front door where I pay dues and rent. Are, are you nuts? What the hell? And also, look, if you, if you walk down Cajun Boulevard, Cajun Dome Boulevard to get to your tailgate spot or to get to the football game, go out there with your cell phone, record this, and send it to every media outlet you can. We can't stand for this. We already have enough hurdles we already have enough uphill climb and battle with this administration and and this community that is already always looking 60 miles to the east we have enough problems as it is we cannot let this continue to happen and then look around and wonder why the hell we're not thriving as a university in athletics at the end of the day you gotta look in the mirror the job for student involvement is to get students involved to get them to the games to make to create an electric environment inside that football stadium like it was against Northwestern State right the students turned up they 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 turned up they showed up it was great but when you put all of these roadblocks ahead of them and not let them have an actual college experience they're not buying that they're not joining that they're not going to have fun with that they're going to go somewhere else they're going to they're not going to they're not going to come to our game think about when we were coming to school right i mean you no, know, we never had that foolishness. We never know, dealt with that. Well, just to say, later 2000s, you also had that that reputation and aura of a party school. Good school, but party school, right? You come there, you know you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good college experience. I mean, in the 80s, we're in Sports Illustrated as the number one party school in America. You had the, you had the cheerleaders and the football team at the keg. They were standing on the roof, the whole thing. That was still pretty palpable around here. Now... Are you kidding? It's the opposite. It's like they're doing their level best to be the absolute opposite of that reputation for back in the late 80s and early 90s. These, these kids, who would want to come to a school that doesn't let you go to the Greek house? 
or that, that, that literally kicks you out of football games because you're not standing in the right section? This is stupidity. This is beyond stupidity. All I'm going to say is to the administration who are enforcing these rules, think twice before you enforce them, please, and find a way to fix it. Because right now we're trying to get people to our games, not from our games, not leave our games, not 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 show up to our games. We're trying to get people in the stadium, not avoid it. So if you can, if you're listening, because I know there's probably a few people in the administration listening, do the right thing. Let the stu- let the students be students, guys. Let the students be students. I'd like to send a message as well. At the the administration who are listening, get your head out of your collective asses and find somebody who is going to engage the students rather than repel the students. That is the job. That's the job. What are, what are we doing here? I'm sick and tired of having to fight this battle. If we spend as much time engaging our students and building up our fan base as we do fighting the administration's stupid-ass decisions, we would be UCF. We would, we, I know we don't have a 50,000-person uh, enrollment, but you never know where we could be. It wouldn't be, you know, what, what is the undergrad? Is it 13,000 right now, Jerry? It was, it's like five or 6,000 less than it should be right now. And by the way, that's an absolute truth. Their goal is to be 20,000 undergrad. Well, we're nowhere near that. And you're not helping the cause by doing what you're doing to the students. So it hurts everybody financially, from an experience standpoint, everything. Everything is hurt by how you treat the students. It, it, it is mind-boggling. It's like we want to shrink. We want to fail. That's how we're behaving. If you want to grow, this ain't the way to do it, guys. If you want to grow, this is not the way to do it. So hopefully Saturday things will get fixed. Hopefully Saturday we won't have to worry about this. And hopefully Saturday night after the game we can sit back and laugh about how this was all a big false alarm and they corrected or righted their wrong. Because what they're doing is wrong. I mean, let's, it's pretty obvious what they're doing is wrong. And it's ridiculous, and you're you're not helping student involvement by enforcing rules at your convenience. Again, if you enforce these rules all the time, no, I don't have to like them, but you're enforcing rules that have been in play for a long time, but you're just starting to enforce them again. You're, you're enforce, enforcing them at your convenience. Just do the right thing. Just do the right thing, okay? And let the students be students. Let the students be students. Plain and simple. How, how are we looking on those comments, Jerry? I didn't see anything pop up, and I'm not signed in. Uh, what? Let's see. Well, we got a bunch of people. You know, they were talking about it. but uh, We had Nick on the ones and twos. I guess he dozed off. Yeah, yeah. He um, he dozed off. But, yeah, most people are saying, you know, the timing is com- – you know, some Alex Sylvester, the timing is comical. The buzz around campus has been unreal, and they dropped this on the Greeks. Unbelievable. Um, Carson, they love to have empty stands, and it shows. Uh, Andrew Thomas, ULL, University of Liability at Louisiana. <laughs> That's a good one. Nice one, Andy. Uh, Andy, I emailed her saying, if you don't listen to the students, there are no students. And without students, there is no you. Uh, David said, you don't think it will still hurt student involvement even if they about face tomorrow? Or maybe if they say face no, tomorrow? No, you know why? Be- Jerry, do you not know how to put the comments up on there? Yeah. Put, yeah, put that one. You don't think it will- No, David, it won't. Because this, in my view, because of all this coming out, they might feel supported that the community rallied around them and they got something overturned that was obviously ridiculous. So I feel like they'd feel a little bit more empowered and want to go to the game even more. Right now, they have a reason not to go because, I mean, literally they're being taken to war by the damn administration that's supposed to be supporting them. 
So I think if tomorrow they come out, the administration comes out with a um, a clear, aggressive, basically, I'm sorry, but mostly just, look, made a mistake here, here are the rules, you know, sorry that it got to this point, but this is what's expected of you, and it's a, it's reasonable, I think that they'll feel supported and want to go to the game. I think it'll have the adverse effect. And don't lie. You know, when people ask you questions, oh, they about already what's going lying. On, don't lie. Don't, don't say we didn't hear Cover this. This is not true. And all. we've got emails. We've got the email showing that you enforce these rules. We heard from people that at the meeting you said they were not going to be allowed to go. To, the, the students were not allowed to go to the Greek houses. Like, don't lie. Don't don't. Let's not play CYA right now. Let's just look. It's okay to admit you made a mistake. If anything, you get people will respect you for admitting that you made a mistake. Thank not you. lie about it. Yes. I mean. I could look if you say, you know what, maybe we were a little too harsh. Okay, it happens. You know what, you were watching out for the you know the whole liability thing. You were watching out for the students. Okay, I get that, but maybe you overreacted. Hey, but you took it back. Okay, fine. But if you're telling people well, we never said that or we don't make the rules, we don't do this, we don't do that. Come on, man. Who are you who 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 are you fooling? I'm gonna recommend to Jerry and Nick to do a segment on this every week until they fix this problem. Anyways, so about that. Um, so we've, <laughs> Josh, that was a, oh man, that was a, that was a nice return to, uh, <laughs> to raise your review. You went hey, off. They wanted Matt. They got Matt. I mean, if you can't get worked up about that, I mean, look, Raging Pageant is a strange place, but there, there are very obvious, there are people that are on one side of the aisle and then there are people on the other side of the aisle. You know, we take different approaches to things. When you get, those folks to be in total alignment going after a specific issue, you know you screwed up. And that happened today. Lots of people came together and, and universally it condemned was, this. It was actually unbelievable to see. Which is you know, unbelievable. What's, what's funny about that is that particular Rage and Page and Thread uh, had over, I think as of tonight, had over 500 people lurking in that, in that thread, which is that's a lot of people. A lot of people. Well, look, sometimes you just gotta you, you just gotta tell the truth and be honest that this is dumb. And, and I think you know, like we talked to obviously Jay was active in that thread, and Jay is typically on the side of the administration. That's not a uh, you know that's not a, sh a, a, a shot at him. It just is. He typically has been on that side. Even he said this is wrong and needs to be fixed. Agreed. So, Agreed. so you know, and then you know your other the other administration ass kissers. I won't say any names, but they know who they are. They were even saying, obviously, something needs to be changed here. This is not a good look. This is not going to help. There's there's really no wiggle room on this. It needs to be fixed, and it needs to be publicly fixed because it has now become a public event. People are publicly uh, condemn is a tough word, but. They are looking down on on the decision to enforce this tomfoolery. Almost said the F word, but people look. People are understanding. Uh, this has become a pattern. It's it's beyond a trend now. It's not an accident. It's obviously on purpose. Okay, you, you can't run from it anymore. And something's got to be. They tried to overstep their bound, and they got. I think that they finally understand that these these student organizations and these Greeks and these some you know friends of ours and people that we know that are students, they're starting to get the information out to guys like us and the media and and people are just not going to sit back and let it happen. At least I hope not. No, and 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 you know, 
look, we're grassroots movement. I mean, that's what we've always been. Where that we we come from, the perspective of the fans. We're all alumni. We all went to UL, so we understand it from all angles. And we give money to the school. We're donors. We're fans. We're supporters. We're loyal. But at the same time, loyalty can only take you so far if there's no reciprocity to us, and that includes the students as well. Those same students, they pay tuition, they they attend your school, cost of attendance, they wear your 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 apparel around town, they market your school for you, you know, they they do a lot of their their students are assets to schools naturally, they, right? They it's literally I mean, pay the bills. They pay the bills for you, and you're finding ways to not let them be students. Again, for the last time, let the students be students. Let the students be students. So, with that said, okay, you got that off your chest? All right. <laughs> we could talk about this all night. But anyway, and I'm sure there will be a lot more news and a lot more social media, uh, a lot more social media posts and stories about it. But hopefully by Saturday night it gets fixed because we need another packed student section. That energy that the students brought against Northwestern State was great. And that's the thing. There's a lot of hype going into this game. Cajuns got a big win last weekend. They're two and right one right now. Have a chance to have their best start in two years. And you do this. Like, why? Why? Like you you almost created your own flat tire. Why? Anyway. So moving on. All right. Next topic. Josh, I'm going to get you excited about this one too, because I know you're going to love to talk about this. But for men's and women's basketball, the home schedule came out. We'll start with women's basketball. We'll do a quick run through. So the ladies, they have at the Cajun Dome, they start off with Spring Hill College, their season opener on November 6th. They will go to Auburn on November 9th. So for the MAC and Sunbelt Conference Challenge on the women's side, the Cajuns will host the Golden Flashes of Kent State. Kent State's coming to Lafayette on November 12th. They will also host the Nichols Colonels. They'll host Xavier of Louisiana as well as Loyola. They'll travel to UNO to play the UNO Privateers at the Lakefront, and they will do a return trip to TSAB uh, as part of that home-and-home deal that they did uh, a few years ago. They'll be playing at the PMAC then on December 10th. They'll have the Lamar Cardinals coming to town on December 13th, and they'll also have American Athletic Conference foe North Texas coming to town on December 17th, and then there will be the Education Game, which is, of course, the early matinee where, you know, half of... LPSS shows up to the game and there's 3,000 screaming kids. I've actually been to a few of those games. I love that atmosphere in the Cajun Dome. Every time they score a basket, you hear a lot of loud screams from the kids. Uh, December 19th at 11 a.m. Again, LSU Shreveport and then conference play will open up. So if you look at the the women's schedule, you know, North Texas, uh, Lamar, you know, they got Loyola and Xavier back to back, uh, both of which are exhibition games. But uh, Nichols, Kent State, Spring Hill, you know, it seems pretty much on par with the women's home schedule. Um, I, I guess it's okay. I think with Coach Broadhead, I know last year their team didn't finish as well as they wanted to. But I think this is a pretty pretty friendly schedule for them and what they're trying to do to rebuild this team from last year. Uh, Well, I mean, obviously everybody's going to look toward the TSAB game. And they'll probably be one or two at the time. That's yes. something to look forward to, you know. Kent State, man, UNT, man, uh, it's not, it's not, you know, little sisters of the poor, so it's better than, uh, it's better than that, and it's a D one game, so that's always a, a step in the right direction. But Gary does a good job scheduling for the most part. I mean, I know his hands are kind of tied with 
with regard to, uh, well, I mean, whatever. His hands are kind of tied. So uh, he's done okay with the schedule. I mean, look, anytime you get T-Sab on the schedule, uh, home or away, that's going to excite the fans. And it's a 45-minute drive. So, And the women are trending up. You know, they got a lot of young experience that were injured a little bit last year. I think they have high hopes going into the season. I think, um, from what I read, they're going to be in the top three in the West. Uh, and any three of those teams can win it. Uh, but, hey, look. There's not been a season in the last few years where you thought hey, we underachieved. I think I think the arrow's been up, and I think that uh, you know, there's no reason not to expect them to do well this year. No doubt, and I expect you know them to be back and compete. You know, Coach Gary's done a great job uh, building up teams that can actually be very competitive in the conference, and you know he's made the conference final a few times in the tournament. He needs to get over that hump just one time, make the dance, and uh, he's close. So. Anyway, that's going to do it for the women's side. So the men's, men's basketball schedule this year, defending conference tournament champions. The Cajuns men's basketball team will return to action against uh, UT Tyler, which will be an exhibition on October 30th. They will host Youngstown State as the official season opener on November 6th in the Cajun Dome before traveling to Toledo. That will be their MAC Sunbelt Conference Challenge on November 15th. They'll come back to play Louisiana Christian, formerly known as Louisiana College, on November 15th. I'm sorry, they'll travel to Toledo on November 11th and then host Louisiana Christian at the Cajun Dome on November 15th. And then the Gulf Coast Showcase, starting with Wright State on November 20th. And uh, that'll be a tournament game, so depending on how they do, that'll determine their opponents. So there's about two or three games in that tournament before returning home on November 27th against Loyola New Orleans. And then they'll travel on a return trip to Sanford. Sanford came into the Cajun Dome last year where the Cajuns were victorious. They will be taking a return trip to Birmingham on November 30th against the Sanford Bulldogs. And also heading up to Ruston on December 9th to take on Louisiana Tech, another return game uh, from last season. And then Eastern Kentucky will be coming to the Cajun Dome on December 13th. And then the big matchup, they meet again. Bob Marlin versus Coach Bob Marlin versus Coach Will Wade. They'll head the Cajuns will head to Lake Charles on December 17th to take on the Magnese State Cowboys before heading over to Rice five days later to take on the Rice Owls in Houston. And then conference will start. So just to kind of review the Cajuns home stretch for men's basketball, they have for non-conference UT Tyler, Youngstown State. Uh, Louisiana Christian, Loyola, New Orleans, Eastern Kentucky, and then conference play. And I believe they will also have a Sunbelt Mac challenge sometime in February. So that'll be another home game against a Mac opponent. Josh, I've been waiting to hear this one. What are your thoughts on that? You want me to say what I'm supposed to say? Or you want me to tell the truth? Say what you want, man. The mic's yours. Well, when you give a coach that has no business getting an extension uh, four more years, you can schedule like this and nobody can say anything. Nobody can do anything. Um, Josh is a guest, by the way. He well, is. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, mess, I, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I asked if you wanted me to be honest. Uh, contract's awful. Contract's terrible. Um, but you know, when nobody ever covered that, we didn't talk about that. But, but uh, you know, there's not a single game on that non-conference schedule where you go, hmm, I can't wait to see that. I mean, maybe La Tech. Maybe La Tech, but they haven't been they haven't been any good. And the one good thing that I can say about about Bob from a consistency standpoint is that he's done pretty well against Louisiana Tech. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this team. We lost a ton. 
you know, obviously Jordan Brown leaving in the offseason after he held us hostage for nine months, not great. Uh, you know, I don't know how healthy we are. I don't know what Colby Julian is capable of. You expect Joe Charles to take a big step forward. I, you know, I saw him at the gas station, really, that, honestly, the other day, and he looks like he's put on some weight. So, uh, if he's excited, if he's ready to kind of take on a, a leadership role, that'd be good. He can certainly fill a position. There's no question. He can score, uh, but we need him to be able to bang down low and and play defense for us because of his length and his shot blocking ability. Got to be able to see that. Uh, be interesting to see what our guard play looks like after Jalen Dalcourt graduated and Greg Williams is gone. I don't know, Jerry. I don't know. Uh, Chancellor White, I think, got an injury. Is that true? I think he's out. So they expected big things out of him. Um, Vinny Sagonio will probably get some playing time. I'm not sure with the transfers. I don't know. You know, we lost a couple of coaches also in the offseason. I, I really don't know what to expect. You know, is, is it back to the old 17 to 19 when big fish years? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I do know that there's not a single non-conference game that I want to go to once again, they've delivered an awful schedule. Yeah, we're playing the MAC. Okay, is it a step above Jackson State? Maybe. Uh, is it getting out people to go to the games? Hell no. I, I, I just, Toledo, honestly. I mean, Toledo in basketball? I mean, you may as well play Jackson State. I don't know. I guess I, I should give them some credit for trying to get the level of play um, to a higher level. I would have liked it to be a little bit higher than like a step stool level, you know, maybe, I don't know, the, the A-10 would have been great. I mean, I don't know. If we're going to play the Midwest, let's go for the eight, not, not the A-10, the uh, the MEAC. Let's play the MEAC. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know scheduling is difficult in basketball. I know a lot of the big boys don't want to play, but we're still passing up several good programs to go and play Toledo. You know, Stephen F. Austin right there, Houston right there. Uh, we've got several conference peers that are hosting P5 schools and playing P5 schools. Uh, I, I, I just don't know anymore, man. The schedules are they're just so lackluster. It really pisses me off that the schedule comes out after you buy the season tickets, which is why I don't buy season tickets, because I'm not going to pay for something like UT Tyler. I'm not paying the same price of, at UT Tyler as I'm going to pay to play a conference opponent. I, I'm just not going to do it, especially when i got to go spend $80 to get popcorn and a Coke. Just not going to do it. So the schedule's awful. Again, uh, we shouldn't be surprised. The, 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 con the, the contract is a joke. Uh, you can get mad at me if you want, but I don't care. It's, it's terrible. Did the guy, ex you know, they said that he would get an extension if he went to the dance. He did that. Okay, good. Give him two years. Give him two years. Not four. Not four. That's ridiculous. Um, anyway, shout out Coach Moore. Again, Josh is a guest. Raging Review does not. What is it? Does not does not condone any guest opinions. Anyway, I'm, I'm not doing the no. disclaimer anymore because I'm a guest. I don't have to. <laughs> no. So so so, the home schedule. I'm gonna be honest. It's it's not that great. I mean, I don't think anybody can say and then home schedule. Oh, this is great. And I don't. I know people will hear this. There's certain people that hear this and be like, how can you be so negative? Well, because it's not a great schedule. It's not. Um, you have two non D ones. You play an exhibition against another non D one. So technically, you have three non D ones coming to the Cajun Dome. Uh, I think the one good thing is you do have the Mac Sunbelt Challenge, so you will have a Mac team coming to the Cajun Dome sometime in I think February. So that's good. Um, I hope it's that it's a Mac. It's a Mac, and basketball is awful. It's better. It's better than some of the Southland teams we host. I'll take that. Jackson um, State beat us in our own building. Yeah, but that's our fault though. 
That's on us. I'm just saying. That's on us. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, the level of competition, I mean, whatever. If, we're, if you're going to schedule somebody, go for a name of some sort. And I know that well, it, the MTE is kind think, of out of your – it's out of your uh, your hands. But, hey, look, at least you got little Willie. You got a little Willie to look forward to. You got a chance to beat him. And, and here's the thing. Like, I'm of the opinion I'd rather go to a mid-P5 team, like a TCU, or go play a Houston on the road and have a chance to win than to come back and play Xavier New Orleans. Like, no offense to Xavier, but you don't really learn anything after a game like that. You know, you hang 130 points on him, you win 130 to 60. What did you really learn, you know? Um, that's that's one of those games where, to me, it's like you said, you know, you go to the Cajun Dome and they charge the same prices for that as they would when when Southern Miss comes to town, right? That That makes it very difficult for fans to want to go. And I do think from a ticketing standpoint, that needs to be addressed. If you're playing a non-conference, non-D1, you shouldn't be paying the same prices to go watch us play Georgia State. I don't think that's fair. And it should be free. Not, it should be free I mean, to walk in the dome if you're playing not, a, an exhibition game. You know, call me a lousy fan, but for with the Cajun Dome ticket prices, it's pretty expensive to go watch that kind of stuff when I can watch it on TV. Um, that is definitely something I think, and we've talked to the administration about this, and they're trying to work their way around it. But the, the whole ticketing efforts, where we're where the Cajun Dome is charging us ludicrous prices. I mean, I've said this last year when we played Marshall, we did that deal where you got the Cajun chicken deal for like seven fifty a piece. I paid sixteen bucks with tax included in that, tax included, fees included. You go to the Cajun Dome website, Ticketmaster, same tickets for seven fifty or forty four bucks. It costs more money for the fees. And the taxes than it did the actual tickets, forty-four dollars, two tickets for forty-four bucks, uh, you know, for seven seven dollars and fifty cent tickets. I mean, that's absurd. And you're asking me to pay that when we go play Xavier New Orleans? I'm not paying that. I don't think anybody would, unless you have season tickets, which is great. But you know, you, if you want to attract people to your games, you got to find a way to handle those ticket prices, man, because that that is that is absurd. Um, but hopefully, hopefully the they get it done. Hopefully, you know, we can come out and have a chance to go undefeated at home again. I know they went undefeated last year. That was great. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, basketball season, again, starts in early November, so we got some time. We'll talk about that as as the, uh, as the as time goes on, as it gets closer. But anyway, that's the Can't wait. men's and women's basketball <laughs> schedules, or home schedules. Let's move on to soccer. Um, Coach Chris McBride and the Raging Cajun women's soccer team lost a tough game in their conference opener in San Marcos the other day. Uh, by the final score of 3-0. I believe it was 0-0 at halftime. And um, it looked like Texas State was able to kind of gain momentum uh, down the stretch on those final few minutes. And they were able to put up three goals. Um, one of those games that you pretty much could have won, the momentum just turned and it shifted. And, and, and we just couldn't play catch up with it. But with that said, tonight the Cajuns went to Norfolk, Virginia and redeemed themselves. Got a win against Old Dominion by the score of 1-0. So... That puts the Cajuns record at 4-3-3, three, and three, and they will come back home on Sunday to take on ULM and uh, kickoffs at 1 p.m. So, they, good win for the girls. That was a ODU great win was today. Tonight? Yeah, okay, that that's what tonight. I thought. They won 1-0. Yeah, ODU is a good team. If people don't know, that's a good team, so that's a nice win. That was a heck of a win. So, congratulations to the to the women's soccer team and to Coach McBride, and uh, let's keep this. Uh, let's get a win streak going against the uh, Warhawks on, on Sunday. So, that's going to do it for soccer. Uh, women's volleyball. Uh, they opened up the home stretch over the weekend in the Sawyer Camillo Classic with uh, wins over Nichols, UNO, and Prairie View, three and 
2-0 over the weekend. But tonight, in their conference opener against Troy, in the blackout, unfortunately, they they lost their match uh, three sets to zero. Um, kind of surprised by the way they played tonight. I think Troy just, they gained momentum early and the Cajuns just couldn't catch up. But they will be playing back in action tomorrow for, <laughs> ironically, Greek night at OK Long. Um, they'll be playing the Troy Trojans again for a rematch and the, the first, uh, or the match will start at, or the first set will start at 6 PM. So if you have nothing to do tomorrow night on a Friday, want to spend a Friday watching some Cajun sports, head out to Earl K. Long. The atmosphere is fantastic. They'll try to redeem themselves tomorrow night against the Troy Trojans. Again, uh, match starts at six o'clock and I'm sure we'll see a lot of Greeks there. So it should create some a fun atmosphere, a fun and festive atmosphere. So that's going to do it for Cajuns volleyball. And so we're going to end this thing with predictions. Josh, the Cajuns take on the Buffalo Bulls on Saturday. I know you're very conservative on your predictions, but I still want to hear it. How are the Cajuns going to do against Buffalo? What you got, man? Uh, volleyball real quick. It's free. Remember, it's free to go. Friday nights are a lot of fun. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Greeks there on Greek night. I got to be honest with you, uh, but it is typically a good time, and and they have cornered the market on energy in a building on campus. So good for them, and good luck to them tomorrow. Uh, as far as predictions go, I, I think that the Cajuns will end up winning a game thirty-three to twelve. That's my prediction. I just think that this defense is too fast for Buffalo. I, I think that they'll probably be able to move the ball between the twenty-fives, but I don't think that they're going to be good in the red zone. Uh, they're just not good enough. Uh, that's just the bottom line. They're not scoring their typical 27. I expect half of that. Uh, well, not quite half of that. And I expect I expect, expect to see some bumps and bruises from Zeon, but I also expect our running game to be explosive against this team. Again, we're just, we just, uh, across the board, are a faster, more athletic team. I think that we're more explosive. We use all of the field, and that's a credit to, to Leger and, uh, and Mike. I expect us to score points. I do expect some some turnovers, maybe some or some mistakes, and maybe a couple turnovers out of the offense. But I think overall, the Cajuns find a way to win. I think it doesn't look pretty, but we still end up winning by a pretty a large margin. Okay, so my prediction is pretty simple. I think Buffalo is going to come out swinging early. They have over the last three games. They look pretty good in the first quarter, first quarter and a half. I do think they score on us early on. Um, I think our offense matches their tempo early on. But I think where we start to take advantage of them is probably around between, I'd say, halftime and midway through the third quarter. I think they start to wear down. I think our offense and up-tempo scheme is going to keep them keep them on their toes. And I just don't think their defense is good enough to keep up with it. And I think we pretty much pull away in the second half. Uh, and with with the defense making a few big plays, I think Coach Lamar Morgan if they and his staff, if they can prepare the way they did against UAB, I think they're going to force some turnovers. I think it's going to be pretty similar to what we saw against UAB. Uh, and again, offensively, I think Zeon, once he gets his groove going, he may struggle a little bit. Once he gets his groove going in the passing game, I think it's going to be a, a very fun sight to see at Cajun Field. I think the run game is going to be outstanding. You've got Dre Washington back. You've got uh, Jacob Cabote on a roll right now. I think, you know, you're going to have guys like Terrence Williams get a few carries. I think you're going to have Zylan Perry get a few good carries. And, um, you know, barring any crazy turnovers, I think the offense is going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to score some points. Uh, so, and I think Buffalo will probably score a garbage touchdown in the game, kind of like uh, Northwestern State and UAB did the other night. 
Uh, so my prediction, Cajuns pretty much are going to route them. I think it's a 28-point win. My guess, Cajuns win it, go to 3-1 and one by the score of 42-14. to 14. That's going to be my prediction, 42-14. to 14. So you said 33-12, I said 42-14. Both 20-plus uh, point victories, and the Cajuns will cruise to a 3-1 and one record before a showdown in Minneapolis, Minnesota against the Golden Gophers next Saturday. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for momentum at Cajun Field. So with that said, let's sum it up. Cajuns take on the Buffalo Bulls this Saturday night at Cajun Field. Kickoff will be at 6.30 p.m. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus or listen in live on Hot 107.9 FM or 103.3 The Goat FM. But you won't have to do that. You know why? Because you're going to be a Cajun field supporting the Cajuns and watching this explosive team carry momentum. To the university administrators, guys, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Let the students be students. Let them experience the student culture and have a good time. Don't try to be too forceful on them. Let them have their fun because we need that student section. We need that red zone packed on Saturday night. They're the ones that get the energy going at Cajun Field. We need them packed. So with that being said, Josh, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. It was fun. Don't be a stranger, dude. It's fun to be a guest. You don't have to prepare anything. You just get to rant. It's great. Yes, we definitely saw Old Man About Town tonight. We know you won't be a stranger. We, we, Of course, you've been working in the background helping out with a lot of stuff. So thank you so much for that. Nick will be back hopefully Saturday night. We wish him well and a fast recovery. And yes, we will be back Saturday night for the post game following uh, our game against Buffalo. And of course, we'll be taking your calls, your thoughts, what you saw in the game. We'll analyze the game. And uh, as always, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitch, and you probably have this episode posted tomorrow, first thing in the morning. So with that, I'm Jerry. This is Josh. We're the Razor Review Podcast. Listen at any time. You can like, follow us on those social media platforms. Thank you so much for your support. We love you guys. Have a great night. And as always, go Cajuns. See you Saturday with the Cajun Showdown against the Buffalo Bulls. Have a good night, everybody.